Whether you are a startup or an established entrepreneur, nothing communicates your company's message better than brilliant branding. With over 25 years in the business and over 250 companies named, expert Phil Davis and his team at Tungsten Branding will enlighten, brighten, and illuminate your mind so your brand will shine. Get ready to flip the switch and spark your imagination. Welcome to Brilliant Branding with host Phil Davis and Liz Heemstrom. Welcome, branding fans worldwide. Uh, we're off to a brand new year. Welcome to 2018. Wow. I'll write it wrong for probably the first week or two, Yeah. as I always do. Um, we're going to start the year off right by talking about something that I think is very apropos to where we're at in terms of the business cycle, and that is New Year's resolutions. Taking a look at your business, taking a look mm-hmm. at the year ahead from a branding perspective, and getting some insight. That's what we do here at Tungsten, we create insight. And we're continuing our series on rebranding, which we've been doing throughout December. And we're getting into the subject of rebranding versus repositioning. So in the theater of the mind, I want you to just imagine, we just had a horrendous cold snap here. We're in the middle of it nationwide. Freezing temperatures. It is snowing in Charleston. Yes, snowing in Charleston. What has happened to this planet? And you wake up and... All of a sudden, you realize as you have already committed to derobing, disrobing, and climbing to the shower, and you hit it that it's ice cold, Liz. You've all, we've all had that happen. And you just about scream, mm-hmm. and you realize, oh my goodness, uh, something's happened. You know, either the the electric's gone out, or maybe there's something wrong with the pipes or the plumbing or something. And you say, I have to do something. You're shaking now. You get a towel. You're water trying to heater get, is broken. Water heater's broken. Something's broken. Leaking. You don't know. You're not that person. You're not that, that blue-collar person. You have no idea. That would be me. And so what do you do? Well, you would probably, in this day and age, do what? You would reach for? My phone. Your phone, and you would? Google it. Google it. Google it. Google it. Google it. Right? Yes. Um, but here's the little, I'm going to throw you a little, a little curve here, Liz. It's 1984. I wasn't even born. You weren't born, so that would be a problem. <laughs> Your little arms would have a hard time yes. reaching for the phone. But if you think back just 30, 40 years ago, and this is all about rebranding versus repositioning and how, you know, maybe that was a while ago, but how it's, you know, industries that have existed then have been devastated. And we'll get to that in this example. So you, you reach for it. And what would you do in 1984? Mm-hmm. You can't pull out your cell phone because mm-hmm. while they might exist in kind of prototypey form or doctors might have them, the mainstream people don't have them. So therefore, you also don't have a contact list right. in there. Um, and so this is what's really scary, especially in today's age. You had to rely on your memory. Yeah. People actually knew people's phone numbers. Yeah. Strange, like you knew all your friends' phone numbers. So you had to do that. Or you had to open up what was known as the yellow pages. And the yellow pages were about five inches thick. And I think each yellow page book killed about five trees, I swear. Okay, if you got hit by one, you probably were hospitalized. (laughs) So you had the yellow pages, and you just started thumbing through them. And 
back then those were it was like a big event i mean once a year a thunk you could hear in their front door and they would drop off this plastic wrapped five inch thick book the yellow pages and it was it was the bee's knees it was the book um if you didn't want people calling you you had to pay money not to have them call you because you're going to go in there you talk about privacy these days and everything else i mean the whole world knew where you lived right. your address right you know unless it, you were unlisted yeah if you were married mr and mrs so and so so i so here's the question so we're talking about rebranding or repositioning your business so let's think of the yellow pages which is originally owned by ma bell and the likes of the big tel telecoms Mm -hmm. What business were they in? They were making money, and I'm telling you, Liz, it was filthy money. Mm -hmm. uh, I would not even a rep wouldn't even come out to talk to me in my business because I only spent a few hundred dollars a month. I was just a telephone call, and they were annoyed if I changed one thing in the ad. It was like same ad as last year. You'd go like, well, I was thinking of, oh, you know, ah. <laughs> oh. For seven, eight hundred dollars a month, I have to actually listen to you. Okay, what? <laughs> Did you change your phone number? And I'm like, please, Yellow Pages, be nice to me. And they just have a monopoly. They just own their space. And this is so important as you go into this new year, because more than ever, we're seeing the rate of change in business models, the rate of change accelerate. I mean, things are happening now. At, at quantum speed compared to years ago. The rate of adoption of a new technology, a change in your business, if you're listening, is probably hitting you at sometimes mind-bending speeds to where you don't hardly know how to react. So we're gonna get into, does that require a rebrand or a repositioning? So back to our story, you're dripping wet, you're freezing to death, and then you finally get out the yellow pages. So you're now, I'm going to flip switches, and you're at the Yellow Page Company. Wow, you just know I've got this naked guy in the shower freezing. <laughs> I've got a lock on this audience. I'm going to be rich forever. I will forever need, my audience will forever need me. So were they in, what business were they in? Were they in the telephone business? Were they in the publication business? Because they published a lot. A lot of what they did was about publications. Were they in the distribution business? Because getting the Yellow Pages out required a vast distribution network. Drivers, people to deliver it. Um, were they in the pulp business? <laughs> Forestry business, yes. Were they in the GPS, map, location kind of business? Were they in the advertising business? And there was entire businesses that helped you when I had my ad agency craft the perfect yellow page ad. If you were a plumber, you lived or died by that ad. And that's why plumbers would change their name to AAAA, AAAAA plumbing. You know, Aardvark, AAA Aardvark plumbing <laughs> to get that first listing. And if you look at it and you think in terms of positioning, what business are you really in? And I want you to think throughout today's program and ask yourself, challenge yourself, what business are we going into 2018? What business are we really in? So the Yellow Pages said, well, we're in the telephone business or we're in the printing business or we're in the publication business. But in reality, had they really soul searched and soul searched early on, they would have realized that they were in the search business, the search business. Mm -hmm. Sounds very reminiscent of a small company called Google. Um, 
So the Yellow Pages, um, basically the Yellow Pages was Google before Google was Google. Okay, the Yellow Pages was doing the act of searching and fulfilling that role. The only problem is they did not know it. They kept cutting down trees. Uh, they hated pine trees especially. Something about pine they just hated. They um, actually went through a period, I remember, where they went into the defensive mode of making thinner paper. So it was like getting to be like cigarette paper. I remember that. It was like, actually. how thin can we make the books? Wouldn't that be the first canary in the mine? Like, why do we need to cut expenses so much? <laughs> you know, I should be like, maybe things are amiss. Maybe things are things changing. Things are changing. May, no, shut up. Just make thinner paper. <laughs> Cut down pine trees. Smells good. Let's cut trees and expenses. And so they went into kind of a weird survival mode, something that was just an absolute cash cow. And the question is, what happened? Did the need for search go away? Did the thing, the problem they were solving, disappear? And it's usually not that the problem disappears. There's usually, as humans, we're going to have the same problems forever. Newsflash, bad news. The bad news and then the good news. The bad news. The problems we have, we're always going to have. The good news is we're always going to be able to offer solutions to those problems. But the distribution method and the way that we solve basic problems is going to morph and change. And if you're not aware of it as a company, you'll make the mistake of rebranding when you should reposition. I say that as somebody that would immensely profit from a rebrand. We love people rebranding. But because we are transparent and we are tungsten and we are clear and honest and authentic, we're here to help you this year so that you don't spend your money foolishly and do a rebrand, which is, can be a paper cover over if it's done for the wrong reasons. So what really happened? Well, what happened is what happens every day in business and life. Things change. Um, but what's critical here is our response to change. And the response depends on what we identify with. And this is the crux of all branding and brand identity. It's just like on a personal level. We act and we respond upon those things that we identify with. If you identify that you're a phone company, if you identify you're a publisher and you're not, you're a search company, you're going to make poor decisions. The Yellow Page companies thought they were in the publication business. There's a Wall Street Journal article that I read years ago which prompted this where they were even referred to as publishers, you know, the yellow pages. But they were never really in the publishing business. Sure, they printed millions upon millions of books. They distributed them, the distribution business, to millions upon millions of people in homes. But they were really in the, in the search business. They weren't in the delivery business. That wasn't their core value. They were a search engine. Uh, they connected people to resources. And that's when you would get the, the plumber in the middle of the night that would say 24 hours a day, respond within 30 minutes. So think about it. People now use Google to do many of the same things they used to do with the yellow pages. So that need is not changed. Needs rarely do. Uh, just the form of their delivery. And here is where many, many companies get confused. They believe they are in the business of their product or service they provide. They believe they're in that business when their product or service is really a means to an end. It's just a means to an end. I think of cars a lot and that who really wants a five to 8,000 pound metal object 
that they, you have to build an additional extension to your home to house it. You have to take care of it. You have to oil it. You have to feed it and nurture it. You have to repair it. You have to make probably your second biggest payment of the month in the form of a car payment. To do this, people believe that people need cars. They don't need cars. Yeah. They need mobility. Right. You know, you create those, uh, you know, Star Trek tubes and, you know, beam, beam me down, Scotty. And <laughs> we'd be beaming and screaming, you know. <laughs> so nobody wants a five-inch thick book in their dining room. You could scrape. It's handy sometimes to prop things up or yep. for all kinds of different purposes. So let's look at some other things that were like that. Same thing can be said for typewriters, you know, which became the word processors, which eventually morphed. But the people that were diehard typewriting companies died hard. <laughs> they were diehard. Cyclopedias, you know, somebody realized just make it into a Wikipedia. But yeah. it wasn't the same people. Yeah. I mean, if Encyclopedia Britannica or one of them had jumped on it, they had the content. Yep. You know, but they resist, you know, Blockbuster, all of them, they're like, no, we're invested in these brick and mortar stores. So, yes. you know, most people go to their strengths until their strengths become their weaknesses. So, doggone it, we've invested in all this real estate. We can't change. We're going to have to just ride this thing out. And a lot of times they write it right down to zero. DVDs happen next. Film cameras happen. And I think we're seeing it now with movie theaters. So, if, if, you know, if AMC came to us and said, do we need to rebrand? If I talked with them a while, I would say, it sounds like you've got a business model problem. And you need to reposition. I heard talk that they're thinking of doing binge watching of movies in the theaters. The AMC theater that I went to recently, and I don't know if you've been to the one out at the Biltmore, but yeah. they're they're like sky lounge chairs. It's funny. I actually was there last night, <laughs> and I was thinking about it, and I actually was had that thought of, you know, they have so much competition of well, why would I go to a movie theater where I have to sit in uncomfortable seats Right, with strangers With strangers and pay $20 right. to see a movie, get some popcorn, when I can just wait for it to be on Netflix yeah. or I can wait for it to come out digitally and I can watch in the comfort of my own living room. And, of course, now they've brought that comfort into the movie theaters. They've brought it. And you know what they're realizing? I think they might actually actually make it. I don't know. It's a little early. But they've caught it early enough to where they, they went through, and it was a lot of money. They took their half the capacity of seating. Yeah. But I can't I'm like, even. like, wow. Yeah. But they've raised the price, and they've made movies an experience. It's not about – it's not a theater. It's an experience. They've brought in more food, healthy food choices. They've brought in uh, beer, wine, and spirits. So they've done a lot of things to create a, a kind of a date night, a reason. Drive, like almost like a drive-in movie. Back in, yeah. But now it's, you know. Now it's, I can't get the same experience. Yes. So I'm going to have to go to the movie theater to get the food served to me. And so I think that's a great, great example. So what customers really mm -hmm. want, what do people want, what they really, really want? Here's what they want. <laughs> they want the end benefit of the service that you provide. They don't want the service you provide. They want the end benefit. Going back to our shower scenario, I want warm water on back on me. You know, I want that end benefit. And so our identity really revolves around, are we in a place where we need to reflect that more accurately? Or is our business model changing and we need to pivot? Provide the same core benefit, but provide it in a different way. 
as obvious as this may seem, it's amazing how many times we identify and attach ourselves to our current delivery system of the benefits that we provide our client. If instead we identified ourselves by that end benefit, we would feel less threatened and respond more proactively when the delivery methodology begins to change. So it's like the movie theater. They're changing yes. their delivery method. Yes. We're going to change it. We still want to entertain people, but we're going to give them more of an experience instead of just a movie. Right. Because people can get movies now in so many different right. places. So now we're going to give you like food and we're going to have people deliver it to you. And we're going to give you a chair that reclines. It's more comfortable than the one that you had at home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so they're doing that. I used to believe that I provided clients with names, just taglines, logos. But then I began to realize that we here at Tungsten provide people with clarity. Clarity about who they are, what they do, and what they truly provide. Um, and that clarity might take the form of brilliant names or brilliant uh, insights. It might take brilliance in the form of you don't need any of our services. You need to reposition your current services. Your name's fine. You're just, you just are in an outmoded delivery methodology. It might take the form of a clear picture of who who you are and what you serve. So the need for names comes and goes, but the need for clarity remains consistent and who doesn't want to be clear. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and delve more into when is it time to rebrand? It's a new year. Just need to rebadge, come up with a new name. And when is it time to look at our business model, see that it's evolving, take our same core skill sets, but repurpose them and bring them out in a new way using our existing name. So you've been listening to Brilliant Branding. We look forward to talking to you here on the other side of the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your brand is your story. And getting your story straight is the most critical and challenging component of your brand identity. That's where we come in. We're Tungsten, and we're naturally wired for brilliance. We'll help create, clarify, and communicate your brand message in ways that will make you shine. Whether you're a startup, entrepreneur, consultant, or an established business, we'll use our tools and talents to build and brighten your company identity. Why struggle with domain searches, trademark issues, and endless brainstorming? when the Tungsten team can create a clear and compelling brand name that strengthens your image. Having named over 250 regional, national, and international companies, products, and services, Tungsten has a trusted track record for successful brand creation and implementation. Our proven process will focus your brand and put you center stage. Visit us at tungstenbranding.com for your free quote. That's tungstenbranding.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. are listening to Brilliant Branding. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at tungstenbranding.com. Now, back to this week's program. Boom, 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 boom. So welcome back, and we're talking about rebranding this year versus repositioning your company. Maybe your company's gotten in a little sideways with the markets, uh, a little confusing. People are shifting. They're using another way or means or distribution method. And you kind of starting to feel like you're going slightly into panic mode. So your brain starts going, well, maybe if I just came up with a new identity and I just uh, redid our website, it would fix everything. Sometimes that's the case and sometimes not. We were talking before the break about the Yellow Pages, which has just died a slow death. (laughs) They're still around, but they're kind of, you know, on life support, sort of, compared to where they were in terms of... They're definitely not what they were. Yeah. They're not thought of as... As the dominant advertising vehicle that they were. Mm -hmm. They they commanded a huge share of the advertising market. Yeah. So if you were the Yellow Pages and you could go back in time in a little time machine, well, you'd probably do a lot more fun things than go back and talk to the Yellow Page people. (laughs) You know, that was, you know, on my bucket list. Stop Lincoln from getting shot might be up there, but... (laughs) But suppose you instead went to this early meeting when they were starting to do their initial freak out, like, I don't know, this internet thing's coming along, what should we do? The question there is, do you rebrand? Well, you know what? They're going online, so the word pages, Liz, doesn't work anymore. You know what we need? We need a new name. You know, we can't be Yellow Pages anymore. So let's just rebrand Yellow Pages as Shazam, you know? And then we'll still hand out books. We'll still do the same things. You can find it at the 
tip of your finger, Shazam, right Shazam. in the book. It's right and there. Then maybe we, it's right in your kitchen drawer. And we'll add pink pages, not just yellow pages. And we'll put bedazzled co- you know, covers on it. and Shiny. We'll make people it shiny. People love shiny things. Well, Absolutely. That's and this perfect. is exactly what people do. Instead of recognizing that there's a shift in the business model, um, they try to paper it over with this kind of cosmetic thing. Books a million became bam. I mean, it's almost like Shazam. Yeah, it's, that makes me really, yeah, bam. That's where I'm going for books. I now. mean, if you're sitting there going like, I, you know, I want to go to a site that has more than, than books on it, um, going to bam doesn't really, really solve it. So, and a lot of times it's not the branding company's fault. It's coming from um, directives they're getting from these companies. Like they don't want to face the facts that you need to, you know, look at how you're doing your business um, maybe divest of some real estate, maybe change it, maybe increase your online presence and invest in an e-commerce solution. Do some things differently proactively to get ahead of the curve um, instead of just trying to, to paper over. Again, we're the people that love to create the rebrands. <laughs> so, But we'll get to that because there's certainly, certainly a time for rebranding. So we're talking about rebranding versus repositioning. So what should Yellow Pages have done, Phil? Yellow Pages probably, and you know, this is hindsight, you know, I'm an armchair quarterback here, but when the, the very first canary in the mind, this is why you need people in your organization that you hate, but they tell you the truth. My son is this way. My oldest son, he, every time I talk to him, there's a dire warning. It, after a while, you just like, negative Nancy, don't keep coming at me with this stuff, except that he's often, often right. You know, he's the one that was telling me we're getting carpenter bees in our house, you know, uh, which I didn't listen to right away until there were a problem. <laughs> you know? oh, no, there's probably somebody agitating your organization instead of treating them like, OK, but shut up. You should probably <laughs> listen to them. You know, uh, they're the ones that sometimes are indicating sometimes they might be the more youthful staff members saying, you know, I'm seeing a lot of X, Y, Z. Treat them as a free R&D department. My goodness. So don't get so, you know, closed off that you don't see that there's an evolution or you go into this weird denial about it. So we're talking about rebranding versus uh, repositioning. Which strategy works best? So the right branding strategy will make all the difference. As companies grow, product lines expand, market conditions change, and boy, are we seeing that in the last year. Business owners often find themselves with company brand images that just don't reflect who they are or what they do. Perhaps you started in a niche market, you know, or a polyth, what was that, a urethane mm-hmm. uh, supply, supply co- company, company that didn't yeah. sell urethane anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, small problem there. Mm-hmm. Um, or a very specific product that you had and you've built your entire identity with it. And, you know, it's just, it's when you identify with something, it becomes so closely held, it's hard to kind of break that connection. And the business now serves a different a variant uh, uh, customer base. It's bigger, it's more diverse, it's reaching out, but you've got this kind of pigeonhole identity. What to do? A sure symptom of this brand misalignment is the constant need to explain or clarify what your company really does. Uh, when you as an owner often opine, you know, well, you know, people don't get us. We're more than blank and you're more than the thing you say you are. That's a problem. At this point, a new brand strategy is obviously in order if you're always explaining it. But it begs the question, do I just reposition the company or do I rebrand it? So here's where here's the, the payoff right here. Mm-hmm. 
Number one, reposition. If the company name is is all right, but it's just the message and the image that are wrong. So repositioning a company makes sense when the company brand name is fairly well-known, well-established, it's not misleading, it, it doesn't create confusion. Maybe it's kind of inert, maybe it's even a legacy name, but it's a well-known one. In other words, it's not so much an issue with the identity as it is with the image associated with that brand. Um, Apple is just an easy one that we talk about a lot. Um, when it extended beyond computers, they didn't go, well, we have to change Apple to pair. <laughs> you know, so there, there's an example of just it's time to reposition. So they start repositioning and repositioning generally takes place in the tagline and the ad copy and the commercials and the image and the messaging portion of your brand. <laughs> okay, yes. So I think that's important to communicate. Yes. So when you reposition that happens at kind of the strategic level of your brand messaging. And you might you might require a change of your tagline. Um, definitely a change in your in the content and the messaging and the website. So it's a piece of work. It's not like a snap of the fingers. Um, Apple dropped computers out of their name. They did take some action. Um, they followed this thread of think different. And as they thought different, they came out with different products. So they kind of uh, walked to their uh, the beat of a different drum and not as a computer company. They no longer thought of themselves as computers. That much the same way with Midas, mufflers, um, kind of got away from it. They didn't have to rebrand because what they kept is their pivot point, we call it. And every company should have this, is they identified that they were going to be the superior provider of car care. They have the Midas touch, the golden touch. So it didn't require a rebrand. It wasn't like, well, you're Midas and now you have to be yeah. something like, you know, everything automotive. Right. You know? Yeah. They just changed what people thought of them. Right. In terms of we're not, you know, just I, have a brake, I have a brake problem. Oh, well, I guess Midas, they do brakes now. So in my head as a customer, now I'm thinking I can go to Midas and get my brakes redone. And, you know, there's going to be this momentum where you go, but I thought Midas did mufflers. So, and this is why sometimes people jump ship and they go, oh, I just need a rebrand. Well, you're going to have to rebuild the image now from a completely unknown name. Mm-hmm. You know, so it might take some time. You might go, okay, well, now we're Midas mufflers and breaks, or you might inter- interject things or drop a descriptor word that's not on there. So don't expect that when you reposition, it fixes things overnight. Mm-hmm. There was probably a year or two where people go, I didn't know that you did this. So um, we dealt with a company, Dale Jarrett, very famous race car driver at the time he's retired. And they did, you know, racing. Um, and the, the guy said, well, we're just we're struggling with numbers. The guy's retiring. He's not as well known and really got down to what is it people are coming there for? It's really the it was the, the adrenaline. It was going around a track. So as we help them to say, well, don't drop his name, he's famous. You could reassociate that name with other thrilling adventures. So they started doing things like taking people up in a World War II plane and reenacting a dogfight. Um, and they began to do other experiences, reenacting, um, running into a burning building with fire equipment on. So you can take that, it won't happen overnight, but you can say, well, this brand, which was once associated just with cars, could start becoming associated with other things. So there is a place for that. I think a great example of that is Old Spice. 
Yes. I mean, that used to be, I mean, the kiss of death. If you're a young man and you splashed on some Old Spice, you smelled like dad. Yeah, or grandpa. Or grandpa. But they really went to work, and I, I'm sure the listeners have seen these. This is probably, what, three, four years ago. Yeah, maybe even a little Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe longer. Started coming out with just hilarious viral ads. Yes. You know, the coolest. With the younger. Dude. Yeah. Younger, more middle-aged star. Yeah, but he was, she was, he, he was all was that. He was really cool. He was ripped, and he was just yes. funny, and it was just very yeah. tongue and very, very tongue-in-cheek, very irreverent, mm-hmm. very different than this stodgy feel of Old Spice. And sales of Old Spice, just, it, you know, everything old is new again. Mm-hmm. And so they reposition the brand as current and relevant and hip. I think they came out with some different packaging with it that accompanied it. Um, so yes, they did. So all of a sudden, it's now a relevant brand to have. Converse shoes made a comeback. Same thing. Um, so those are kind of things to do. Word of caution: if you're going to reposition, it's you can't just do it because you say so. Like Oldsmobile was having a problem, and that they were also associated with with an older set there. So they just just kind of stuck this artificial tagline on it. This isn't your father's Oldsmobile. And everybody thought, well, hell yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, matter of fact, it's our grandfather's Oldsmobile. And then eventually it became no one's Oldsmobile. <laughs> so, you know, repositioning is really about saying, here's a set of core strengths that we have. We've used them to do X. Now we're going to use these same skill sets to do Y and then maybe Z, mufflers, brakes, total auto repair, computers, iPods, iPads, music. Mm-hmm. So you're, you take this point, this pivot point of innovation or quality workmanship or whatever, and you introduce it into new market segments, but you are still known as that. No need to rebrand your company. So when do you rebrand? You rebrand if the company name literally causes confusion. So rebranding comes into play, and this is where we get the majority of our rebranding work. When the original company has just outgrown the, its identity, and it's become confusing or outright misleading. And the owners and staff all agree that the company's current position and their message is good, but they're stumbling. Well, I know you guys are, you know, quality workmanship. I know you stand for this. I know you stand, but your name doesn't reflect that at all. Uh, going back again to the urethane supply company that doesn't supply urethane. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a positioning problem. That's just flat out. You need to rebrand to what you currently do. Yes. Um, Comp USA died. We've talked about that before because that needed to be rebranded. They they weren't just computers. A Radio Shack, you know, no, we're not selling transistors in a hut. You know? <laughs> it's not, it's 1% of our sales. Maybe they should. Yes. Maybe they should actually they should, create that would, shacks. They, they should, that would be aligning yeah. and, and repositioning yeah. versus rebranding. Just actually say, well, you know what, we are. We're going to start selling radios in, in huts. In huts. And then it would, <laughs> you, you can fix it either way. You could reposition. Uh-huh. Burlington is making its move finally to get away from Coat Factory. Um, so they're having to rebrand and, and drop some of that baggage. Um, I, I have an issue, not so much you, Liz, but it's, the company store always hit me weird because they sell pillows and bedding. And I always thought they sold 
The company store, yeah. Company store, like company office supply. So I was a potential customer. I just never went there. Yeah. Because the image seemed misleading. Oh, company store. No, I'm going to go to office supply. No, I remember when you asked me about it, and I did. I thought it was office supplies or something that, you know, they supplied companies with supplies. Yeah, and you won't know that. Microtel, we we talked about a couple weeks ago. Micro meaning small. Tell almost sounds like a telecom to me, but it was probably the end of hotel. Mm-hmm. But I think that gets lost. Your, your your kind of visceral reaction is a small, tiny little hotel. And now it's Microtel Suites. Right. Which is kind of like saying like jumbo shrimp. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you think they probably position when they probably should have rebranded? Rebranded. So they reposition. They put the money and the yeoman's work into spending gazillions of dollars to create a better experience. But I would never had that experience because I prejudged that these are little small hotel rooms. And I did have that experience. Yes. Originally, and you I went was early on. And I was very confused when they had the same name and all and of a sudden now it looks nicer. You see and that? And I thought, yes. but your microtel, right? You're still your small rooms. Tiny hotels and- except the ones that aren't. <laughs> Then that's the confusion. So there's yes. a time to rebrand. Hey, we're better, we're newer, come see us. And you can tell because our name is different now. We're not tiny hotels anymore. Mm-hmm. We're now, you know, you know, I, I don't know, something that sounds more expansive and, you know, the more comfort suites kind of feel to it. Yes, yes. You know, 3M would never be recognized um, as they are today as innovation leaders with Minnesota mining and manufacturing. And the LG brand, boy, if they were still called, and I'm going to misspell, mispronounce this, Lock. High Chemical Industrial Corporation. I mean, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't have gone over well in the in the states. Would have been a would have been a cluster. So rebranding eliminates the need uh, to spend valuable ad dollars declaring we're more than what we say we are. That's what rebranding does. It clarifies clarifies you when you are already okay. You're good with you, but. Nobody can get to you because they just don't understand. That's when the rebranding comes in. in this economy, um, it's time to save money. And it might just save your business. So we're going to be back with a case study on the other side of the break, Chobani, which is another one about repositioning. I think will be a real eye-opener. You've been listening to Brilliant Branding, and we look forward to speaking with you in just a few moments. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your brand is your story. And getting your story straight is the most critical and challenging component of your brand identity. That's where we come in. We're Tungsten, and we're naturally wired for brilliance. We'll help create, clarify, and communicate your brand message in ways that will make you shine. Whether you're a startup, entrepreneur, consultant, or an established business, we'll use our tools and talents to build and brighten your company identity. Why struggle with domain searches, trademark issues, and endless brainstorming when the Tungsten team can create a clear and compelling brand name that strengthens your image? Having named over 250 regional, national, and international companies, products, and services, Tungsten has a trusted track record for successful brand creation and implementation. Our proven process will focus your brand and put you center stage. Visit us at tungstenbranding.com for your free quote. That's tungstenbranding.com. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Brilliant Branding. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at tungstenbranding.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Brilliant Branding, and we're talking about rebranding. So brilliant rebranding is what we should call it this week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or brilliant repositioning. Re- or brilliant repositioning. So yeah. as marketers and as company owners, as entrepreneurs, our companies are growing. They're always in a growth stage, either growing or dying. Um, and as they grow and evolve, our identity needs to evolve with it. Facebook, I mean, think about it. It was, a, it was your, the, I think that's slang for your book. It's your face in a book. Um, way different than the college kind of thing that it was. I mean, just light years. Now it's, you know, Graham and Graham sharing baby, grandbaby pictures. Yeah. So, and if you don't morph with that, um, then then um, you're not going to do well. But Facebook really didn't need to change. There's another example. Mm-hmm. They just needed to reposition. Yes. And keep shifting a little bit, turning right or turning left to face their current audience. Um, you still have faces on Facebook. Yep. And it is still a book of, of your your pictures and yeah. whatever so if they had called it you know um college picks yeah then it would have required a rebrand yes but facebook was able to just reposition okay we get it we're getting older we're less hip you know um we can't dance anymore um but but you young kids go over there on instagram and have a good time and we'll sit at the adult table here at facebook <laughs> so that's Kind of what it. happened. So we've got a great case study. Liz actually came across this. And why don't you share kind of a little bit about your experience and how um, we're going to talk about Chobani and a case study of how they repositioned and why that's important. I mean, yes. literally how it affects bottom line sales. So yeah. you walk into a store and what happens, Liz? Yeah. So I walk into a store and uh, I had a coworker tell me years ago that Greek yogurt was the way to go the bomb. because it had just come onto the market and it had less sugar, more protein. So from that day on, 
I started buying green. You're yogurt. a convert. Yeah, and he had had Chobani, so that was the typical go-to. That was what I had. My experience was with Chobani, so I go to the store and I'm going to buy yogurt, and um, I'm in a sea of white containers, and they're the wide ones uh, versus you know your typical Danon or Yoplait. Regular ones, and I so I put some in my cart, and I get home, and I realize I got Dan and Okios. Yeah, if that is how it's pronounced, yogurt. It sounds Greek to me. So I looked at it, and I was like, "Well, you know, Greek yogurt's Greek yogurt. This is what I got this time." Yeah, I guess not Chobani, but I got Danon. So they were lost in a sea in a sea of lookalikes mm-hmm. and that's exactly what the marketing is so there was a, a an article that came on Adweek here in uh, late in the year last year why Chobani is reinventing and we would call that repositioning itself and why it had no choice when too many imitators spoil the category so here is a case we've talked about in, in the last segment about times when it really makes sense to rebrand you're it is just misleading the name is giving the wrong impression. It's saying you're in an industry that you're not or an industry that is just a minor part of your business. People passing you by because they think different of you than they should. Here's a case where it's a legacy name, a legacy brand, but because of their own success, imitators come pouring in. Right. Because anyone can have Greek yogurt. Yeah. You just you know find some Greek people with yogurt <laughs> and start making some. So everybody did. So all the big money starts chasing this. What's interesting is Chobani helped grow that from 1%. It was like 2007. Like nobody had heard of it. Although it seems pervasive like we always have now. Like Facebook. Chobani started. They started Greek They kind of started the, the trend. So 2007, 2008, it's 1% of that, of that uh, category. And the category probably being, you know, yogurt. Um, mm-hmm. And within years... Just think of the dollars this represents in the grocery aisle nationwide. They mm-hmm. became almost 50% yeah. of the category, Greek yogurt. Yes. So money just comes pouring in. And uh, what do they say? That imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yes. So all <clears throat> these competitors start imitating. Yeah. Well, cause, yeah, because everyone, like, it was 1% just Greek yogurt. Like, nobody bought Greek yogurt. Everyone brought bought Yoplait. Now 50% of people are buying Greek yogurt. So now Yoplait's like, wait, we got to get Greek yogurt. Yeah, yeah. Dan and Yoplait, all of them start (laughs) saying, well, there's where the money's at. And of course they're going to do this. So they start chasing the leader. So um, the the marketing director says virtually everybody copied us. Um, So he was picking on his competition, but uh, he was about to scare them all over again. So they went back to the think tank and said, we kind of invented the category or exposed the category to the market. And it's become, what do we do now? Here's the question that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Should they say, the problem is uh, we need to make the name stand out again. So let's just drop Chobani and let's call it something else. And again, know? it would just You'd have to start. No one's ever heard about it. Now there's less credibility. I don't know who these people are. So let's just, you call it new age Greek yogurt, you know, the dawn of something delicious. If you're taking that, by the way, out there, send us a fee. (laughs) That was pretty good, actually. So Chobani looks at it and says, well, really, it's not our name. It's our position. And our position is slipping from being an industry leader right, in this category and really promoting wellness and fitness through food, right? And it's turning into just another lookalike yogurt company, Greek yogurt company. 
they found that the more they put splashy fruits on there and close-up shots and all this, that almost everybody was doing the same thing. So this is counterintuitive. They thought if we were the originator, this is the position, if we are the originator, what would the originator, the pioneer, the original one look like? Well, they started using older imagery. Mm-hmm. They started using more rustic shots, imperfect looking fruit, um, more muted colors, less this crystal clear, super up close, perfect plastic looking fruit and made it look more homespun and more natural and simpler to kind of connote that, wow, these guys, this looks like the original one. Like they, they haven't even updated their stuff yet. Exactly. Yes. You know? If you look at it side by side, it looks like the new look was the old look. Yes. Like, wow, these guys think, well, maybe, maybe these other splashy ones look like they're the Johnny-come-latelys, and this one looks like the, 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 the tried-and-true one. And for one thing, Chobani moved beyond its identity as a yogurt company. And this is what's really, really interesting in the article. It says, and it is now a food-focused wellness company. And we talk about branding being identity. If deep in your DNA, you think, well, we're really about a food-focused wellness company, you don't have to be freaked out that other yogurts are starting to splash fancy labels on. You go, well, let's just sit back and look at us. We're, we're a food-focused wellness company. Ours is the original. Let's go ahead and own that position of being original. And while we're at it, what are other ways that we can spread this message of being a food-focused wellness company? And their mantra became fighting for happily ever after. And that's a very expansive, um, very aspirational thing. And, and brands that do well, brilliant brands, are ones generally that shoot for very aspirational goals. They're not concerned about selling you one specific product in a category. They are either promoting a lifestyle, a movement, a bigger thing, and a, you know, a rising tide floats all boats. So they're not afraid of saying, let's help the yogurt, Greek yogurt category in general, but let's be the leader in that. Um, so they began advertising that promotes the overall nutritional benefits of yogurt. And they started looking for ways to use Greek yogurt as a substitute in recipes in, in place of sour cream. And they began to look at other ways to grow the, the product category outside of just being used as a kind of a morning breakfast snack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Their artwork took on kind of a 19th century American folk art. Mm-hmm. I think that's very creative. Very. I love it. And so the illustrations were reminiscent of old seed catalogs. I think that's, yeah, very incredible thinking, creative, so, so different. Ag- again, they didn't go out there and say, let's, let's ditch the Chobani name. Um, they had 40% share of the market, which at that point would be gazillions of dollars. Um, and they had at some point taken over the number one slot. They wanted to keep that and keep that legacy. So they went from 1% to raf- roughly half of the market. So 10 years ago, Chobani, when it launched, disrupted the yogurt category. And that's what happens when you're a leader. You're a disruptor. But when you're a disruptor, what begins to happen? People follow suit. Yeah, they follow suit. So you have to always have something that you can reference. You have to be able to say, okay, people are following suit, so what do we go back to? They didn't, because like, I feel like it's back to what my coworker had said about 
less sugar, more protein. That was what got me hooked was the nutritional benefits versus the yogurt itself. Exactly. Which is what they hooked on. Good. Instead of being like, we are yogurt, we are a healthier option, a healthier lifestyle. Right. It's not always going to the lifestyle. It's going to the experience versus the product itself. And it's interesting to note that the author writes, it's, a, it's especially significant that Chobani's response isn't to introduce something more elaborate, but to return to the brand's fundamentals, mm-hmm. the benefits of yogurt as a nutrient-dense food. Yes. Right? Right. Um, the marketing direction dovetails with the brand's broader positioning. This whole show has been about do you rebrand or reposition, and this is a case of repositioning, to to uh, reiterate the brand's broader position as a wellness company. So what are your employees thinking of, of you right now? Are they thinking of your company as a blank, and the blank is your product company? You know, we make staplers. We're a staple company. Uh, we're this company. We're that company. You know, if you're the phone book, would you be telling people that you're a publication company or you're a telephone company? You want to get down to where you say at our at our DNA level and, and the genesis of this company, we're really about making people well and connecting their food. So this is what we would call their pivot point. You know, it says our business has always been wellness, nutritional and community wellness and how food can be a source of good in the world. And with mm-hmm. the millennial generation coming up, there's a real connection to altruistic endeavors. They want to see that transparency and that genuineness. That's the pivot point that's going to drive that brand. And they say that this new positioning, they're looking to last them a good 10 years. That's their guiding light. So this week, I want you to look back at your company and say, as we look to the new year, are there changes in the market? If there are changes, do we need to tweak and reposition our brand, keep the name, but tell a different brand messaging story through all of our collateral and everything? Or do we need to rebadge so that we get rid of confusion and things that mislead people? So rebranding versus repositioning. Yeah. There's an article on it on our site at tungstenbranding.com. You can look at our articles and feel free to join us each week as we explore these interesting but also very important issues that will be facing your company this year. I'm glad you're able to join Liz and myself this week, and we look forward to talking to you next week about brilliant branding. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Brilliant Branding. Please join host Phil Davis and co-host Liz Heemstra for another edition of the program next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, stay brilliant. Brilliant.